Section 9 of The Rise and Fall of Prohibition. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rise and Fall of Prohibition by Charles Hanson Town. A Triumvirate Against Prohibition. How many Americans know that on August 6, 1833, Abraham Lincoln, with two other men, took out a license to sell liquor. Times were different then, it is true, but one has a feeling that Abraham Lincoln was not a prohibitionist. He was temperate in all things. In his amazingly interesting book, Talks with T.R., Mr. John J. Leary, Jr., includes a chapter wherein Theodore Roosevelt speaks in no uncertain manner about the prospect of the country going dry. Colonel Roosevelt was not one of those who favored the 18th Amendment, Mr. Leary points out. To his mind, prohibition was certain to cause unrest and dissatisfaction. He doubted the fairness of removing the saloon without providing something to take its place in the life of the tenement dwellers, and he was inclined to think that the liquor question was settling itself. You and I can recall the time, he said to me one day, when it was not bad form for substantial men of affairs, for lawyers, doctors, professional men generally, to drink in the middle of the day. It is good form no longer, and it's not now done. It is not so long ago that practically every man in politics drank more or less, when hard drinking, if not the rule, was not the exception. Now the hard drinker, if he exists at all among the higher grade, is a survival of what you might call another day. Take Tammany. No one holds that up as an organization of model men. Yet I am sure that were you to make a canvas of its district leaders, you would find pretty close to a majority, if not an actual majority, are teetotalers. Tammany no longer sends men with ability and a weakness for liquor to Albany. It may, and it probably will send another of tom grady's ability but it will not send one who drinks as hard this you may rest assured is not a matter of morals it is however a matter of efficiency tammany wants results and it is sufficiently abreast of the times to know that drink and efficiency do not go hand in hand in these days of card indexes and adding machines it is the same in your profession not long ago most of the boys were fairly competent drinking men some i knew were rated as extra competent by admiring perhaps envious colleagues now the drinking man at least the man who drinks enough to show the effects is rare the reason your editors won't stand for it as jack slot put it the other day i think it was jack a reporter in the old days was expected to have a birthday about so often nothing was thought of it now as slot puts it he is allowed but two the first time, still quoting your friend Slot, who at times is inclined to use plain language, he gets hell. The next time he gets fired. That is so, is it not? I assured him that Slot was substantially correct. It's not a matter of morals, then, though with a laugh, I will admit you boys do not lack morals. As with Tammany, it is a question of getting results, exactly as it is with the doctor, the lawyer, and the judge drinking declined once it became an economic question or at least as soon as it was recognized as an economic factor it then began to be unfashionable at least to overdrink 
and the man who never drank at all ceased to be unusual in any trade or calling i am however sorry that they are pressing prohibition so hard at this time it is i think all right desirable in fact to limit or perhaps prohibit the so-called hard liquors but it is a mistake i think to stop or try to stop the use of beers and the lighter wines if this thing goes through where does the social side of life come in we both know that a dry dinner is apt to be a sad sort of affair it will make dining a lost art likewise i do not know how the working classes will take to the change you and i have no need of the saloon we have other places to go but you and i know that the saloon fits in to a very definite place in the life of the tenement dweller i do not know what he will do without it what substitutes the reformers will think they can give him for it i do not believe they have thought of that or that they care much frankly i do not know what will be the outcome prohibition if it comes will cause ill feeling and unrest will be a disturbing factor but i do not look for anything serious for after all is said and done the fact remains that the american workman is a law-abiding individual when it comes prohibition may or may not be permanent you may however be sure of one thing it will be extremely difficult to repeal once it becomes part of the constitution responsibility for prohibition colonel roosevelt placed squarely upon the shoulders of the liquor dealers good and bad some liquor dealers i have known said he were good well-meaning citizens who kept decent places take the oaksises father and son who own the oyster bay inn i should be very sorry to see them lose their license theirs is a clean respectable place again there is john brosnan's place in new york no one ever heard a complaint against john his place has been no more offensive than if he sold dry goods i shall take no part in the contest one way or the other it must be settled without me i shall not allow it or anything else to swerve me from the work we're now in the work we're now in was the effort to speed up the war by arousing the american people to the necessity of winning a peace with victory thus theodore roosevelt woodrow wilson vetoed the volstead act he saw at once its undemocratic features its danger to the country as to following abraham lincoln theodore roosevelt and woodrow wilson do you prefer their leadership or that of mr volstead and the fanatics end of section nine